So I would, I would like for a few minutes to look at Ephesians, the first chapter. I think maybe kids are going with um, hard hat over here. And um, I want to just spend a couple of minutes. I was very aware of everything that would go on today. Also very aware of the beauty of this passage of Scripture. We um, began last week in the first chapter of the book of Ephesians and just looking at verses 16 through 19, and I want to just return to that and to share a few truths and to invite you into the beauty of Christ's worth. And so um, if you would read with me, and, and maybe I would say this differently, if you would come and hope with me. Come and join with me in the hope of what God is calling us toward as the body of believers, the hope that is um, birthed out of everything that Rob just read from uh, this, this stage, everything that he read from this area that just spoke of the wonders and the inheritance that we have in Jesus. And then he turns and starts to pray for us. He says, out of all of that, out of all of this story, here's what I pray, verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart are enlightened. In Ephesians, the first chapter, verse 18, so that you can know, and this is a beautiful Greek word, it is genosko, it is to know by experiential knowledge. We're not, I'm not inviting you into an academic forum for the next 20 minutes. I'm inviting you into the knowledge of God in Christ Jesus. And to meet him for who he is and to have him transform you so that you're not capable of singing of the worth of Christ without at the very minimum laying your heart and your soul, laying your mind and your strength at his altar and saying, God, consume me for who you are. That's the experiential knowledge of Jesus that I am drawing us toward as the body of believers. Come hope with us. Come and lay our hearts out. This is the hope that we are having in Jesus. It is his calling that is driving us. It is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints. The saints are who we are. I know that, I know that we have really bad Southern gospel songs about, you know, you're just a sinner saved by grace. But the scripture over and over calls us hagios. It calls us a saint who is set apart by the living God for the sake of the glory of the cross of Jesus Christ. And over and over when it talks about those of us who are made new, it says that we did not take ourselves and make a better version of us. It says that we remove the heart of stone and God placed within us a heart of a saint, a person set apart for the sake of the glory of the cross. And so we, we get a little bit excited about that and revved up about that because it is the wealth of the inheritance of the saints, those who are in this room who have come to know Jesus as Savior, Rescuer, Redeemer, our adoptive Father, our King of glory, we are coming into this inheritance and saying, praise you, Lord. We're set apart for this. There's something glorious happening in this earth and we want in on it. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength And every time I read this, I want to stop in the preaching mode and I have to just read the next verse just so that you'll understand what Paul's saying when he says, here's what I want you to know. I want you to hope of your calling. I want you to know the immeasurable riches of God in Christ. And I want you to know this mighty strength of God that is working toward you. And in case you're not clear about this, this is the strength that exercised the power in Christ by raising him from the dead. Seating him at the right hand in the heavens. 
above all ruler and power and honor and glory and dominion and, 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 glory and, and, dominion and he subjected everything under his feet and he said, here's what it's going to be. This strength is Jesus Christ, his dominion, his glory and his honor and then we're going to exemplify it in the church. And more by the way, he leads his church. So this, this is just a captivating and beautiful reality that Paul is praying for his church. And I am very simple in this. I am praying that you and I will grasp the hope of the calling of God in Christ. I've already shared about this last weekend. And so let me just come back and reiterate this again. I hope that you will wrestle with the hope of the calling. I am praying that there will be many in this room who are brave enough to hold out the hope of the gospel into this world that is hurting alone and that we will walk as a people who are extraordinary in our confidence, not in ourselves, but in this God confidence that just is regaling our life, rooted in the knowledge of who he is. And we wake up tomorrow saying, God, our calling is to magnify who you are. And I think as we walk through this, this isn't Pollyanna, like everything's okay. Did you not love the line in, or maybe if you're in an extraordinarily painful place, hate the line, love the line. Did you not put faith in the line? And God, you're so God good in this world where there is suffering. Holy Father, I pray that you will walk through this with me and that you will amplify the calling in this world in the midst of hopelessness, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, in the midst of sorrow. Holy Father, give me a hope in you that does not disappoint. A hope that is seated in the heavenlies and a hope that sustains me in the midst of the calling as I walk this earth. It's not a call in this absence of suffering. And in fact, I would suggest to you that our calling is in the midst of the suffering of this earth as we walk about saying there is a hope and our eyes are consistently open to this hope. They describe it this way. God has completed his work and yet he is still completing because it is being unfolded to us day in and day out. And many of us are needing to rest in Philippians 1.6. I am confident of this that you began a good work in me. You are so good, Lord. We'll carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I am so confident in this reality that the calling that God has placed on my life to amplify his name, to know who he is, it is a calling that will draw me into himself. And I want to magnify who he is, and that's the passion of my soul. I have the hope of his calling. It was exemplified in Matthew 13, 44, when Jesus captured this calling in a single verse. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field. A man found it and reburied it, and in his joy sells everything he had and buys that field. And I believe that the reason we struggle with the hope of our calling is that we have not bought the right field. I believe that the reason that we struggle is because we allow the circumstances, the current field that we are walking on to define us. And the Lord is saying, look, you walk through and you found this glorious cross and you found all of who I say that I am. And you are wandering now in another place. You see, he walked away from that and said, this possession is worth everything. And I will sell and mobilize everything to discover and deeply wander in the midst of that field. And that is the calling that I invite you toward. If you look Look back what he prayed for in verses 16 and 17. He didn't pray that you would have this glorious calling to go to another nation to do something great or a glorious calling to do something for someone. He prayed that you would hold this glorious calling to know Christ. 
And out of that, I do believe it'll scatter us all over the globe. But I believe that the calling is this. Jesus, I want to know you. And I have kicked this thing in the ground, and it is beautiful. And Lord, I am willing to understand that's the treasure for my soul. And nothing else will satisfy my soul except that. And so God, I'll move heaven and earth for the sake of that. And this centering, I wrote three things down from last week. Our calling is to know Jesus. That's, that is the central picture. And a lot of you, where am I called to do? Where am I called? What is this? Here is your calling, to know Jesus. I mean, Leah kind of exemplified that today. It's like, you know, Lord, for about 10 years, I want to know Jesus through serving children. For the next 10 years, I want to know Jesus. What well, may or may not be 10 years. I haven't asked her that. But I want to know Jesus by walking about on this property and figuring out how you can be glorified. God, I want to know Jesus by showing my three kids Jesus. I just want to understand that the calling that I have is to help others know Jesus because I want to know Jesus. It's really what I want to be about. As you know Jesus, you multiply that in others. You multiply the knowledge of Jesus. You and I have nothing to disciple apart from the knowledge of Christ. But when we know Jesus and begin to multiply that, oh my goodness, the church comes alive. And we're, we're kind of praying for a culture of discipleship across this church. And I, I want you to understand this. To know Jesus is the beginning point of discipleship. And then to multiply that knowledge of Jesus is the beauty and wonder of discipleship across our groups, across our smaller groups as we gather to say, Lord, this is what we multiply. And here's the third, live with certainty in Christ. Here's what I would say out of that. That sounds, this three things sound good. I want you to know Jesus, multiply that knowledge, and live with certainty of Jesus. Unfortunately, we place our certainty in multiple places other than Jesus. And so I just want to pray for us as a church that our calling will be a certitude about who Jesus is, about what he is doing, and to be faithful in that, whether or not we see the results. I, I loved watching Dave and Jane walk down. Their, their faithfulness was not to venture with Mark to Guatemala. Their faithfulness was not to step into our kids' ministry that I know of. Their faithfulness was to mentor and disciple a group of young married couples and to just pour out their lives into them, unbeknownst to them how God would multiply that in ways that we can't imagine. And so Dave and Jane just have been faithful, and in fact, um, just they had no idea I would say this this morning, nor did they plant this so I would say this. They're just sitting in the room right now praying about the new group that they're going to start on Sunday nights in their home for the sake of the gospel, because that's what you do. You wake up and you are faithful week in and week out, and you have no idea how God will multiply that, and you have no idea how churches will be planted all across a region of Indian tribes in Guatemala, or the thousands that will receive medical care, or the multitudes of pastors who are being trained, or the homes that are being opened for teenage children, or the orphanage that the Catholic Church would give to our ministry. No knowledge of that. You just wake up that day and think, I like that Mark and Leanne people. We should invest in them. No knowledge of the hundreds of faces that would walk through our baptismal waters and have their hearts and souls turned alive to Jesus. No knowledge of the garage. No knowledge of kids that would wander. Two Sundays ago, we were represented in seven countries as we gathered in this church. No knowledge that that would happen as we just are mobilizing for the sake of the glory. Just waking up and thinking we should pour into young couples. Being faithful with that. And so just, where, where is your faithfulness? Just waking up, not knowing the results. I would imagine that Mark Powell was easy to work with, Dave and Jane, but Leanne? You just had to wake up and go, we're going to keep pouring. We're going to keep pouring. I, I think that's, I'm kidding, mostly. <laughs> 
We love, love working with Leanna. I just, I, I think that's where we have to land. God, where are we to keep pouring? And for some of you in this room, you're going, I have poured out and it just seems like it's an empty reservoir. It's not really what God's called you to do. He's just called you to be faithful and poor. He will reap the results as he sees fit. If, you're, if your heart and calling is to know Jesus, and Jesus said the knowledge of me is over there with those preschoolers or kids or students or discipling adults or whatever it is, I promise you this, that the knowledge of Jesus will lead you to touch the hearts of others. How are you doing that? Faithfulness is truly found in the one who pursues us, who hopes with us, and is the habit of our heart as we mobilize forward. 2 Timothy 2.2 would be a scriptural basis for everything I just said. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful people who will teach others. And that's really what Dave and Jane did. That's what many of our group leaders did this morning. That's what I pray that we do across this church, is we just faithfully commit. And we commit not only the hope of our calling, but the wealth of his glorious inheritance. These riches. I was listening to one of my favorite videos. These riches that we have in Jesus, the wealth of his glorious inheritance. I mean, for heaven's sake. If you started memorizing Ephesians 1, 3 through 14... You get the pastor's award today, but better than that, you get the Holy Spirit, oh my goodness, award. Because I was just rereading throughout this week. I mean, can you fathom this reality that it says of us in this wealth of inheritance that we have, that we have every spiritual blessing that is gained in Christ Jesus? That's Ephesians 1, somewhere around 3 or 4. So you and I are sitting in this room right now with the whopping bank of the living Christ at our disposal. And the only calling of our life is to come to know him so that we can dig our hands into the bank of who he is. We can lift that up and we can hold out a treasure that is eternal to the others around us. I mean, this wealth that we have in Jesus, it is unsearchable, inexplicable, untraceable, unfathomable, inexhaustible, illimitable, inscrutable, incalculable. It is infinite. This measures of wealth that we have. We are raised from death of self and to life in Christ. In that resurrection, we attain victorious hope in the heavenlies. This is all Ephesians 1. In that we have this hostility that was, was with God is put to death and peace and reconciliation with God reigns here. This is unbelievable. Yes. We're reconciled with one another. We're brought into a new united kingdom with Christ. We have membership into that kingdom. We are members of the household of the living God. All of this is the foretaste of more riches to come in Christ Jesus. In our finite, small, and what we sense as inconsequential lives, we have this infinite hope of the gospel. And Paul is praying, I pray that you would understand the hope of your calling and that you would understand the immeasurable riches of God in Christ Jesus. And as you begin to study Ephesians 1, 3 through 14 and begin to understand that, here's what I would say to you. And this has moved me. I made this giant. All revealed truth is now stewardship. All revealed truth is now stewardship for you and for me. As we begin to memorize Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, we have the privilege of the knowledge of Jesus, and therefore it is revealed to us as a stewardship to multiply into others. 
All revealed truth is stewardship. That is our calling. And I just want to shout from this pulpit area, if you will allow me, this calling of the truths of who we are in Christ. I mean, in grace, we have free and undeserved mercy. It is grace that you are saved by faith. It is through God, not of your own works, lest you have anything to boast about. So if we're going to boast in this room, let us boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. That's, that's the reality of what we are resting in. It is by grace that we serve. It is by grace that we live. It's the doorway of grace that we stand, breathe, exist, move, live, and be. We've been given peace. Jesus is the doorway to that. I think of, I think of this calling and the riches of God in Christ and this invitation to come and hope with us. I think of the account in the Gospel of Luke where several friends just went out and they met with their friend. You know the story well. They carried a paralytic on a mat. They were desperate to lay him where? Their desperation wasn't to move him to somewhere, a medical center. They're desperate to move him to the feet of Jesus because he was their treasure. I, I want to ask this just in this most multiplying way, as you interact with your friends, your neighbors, your family members, where are you desperately longing to place them? Because these guys got it. They said, we will, we will literally move heaven and earth. We will literally hoist this man. And if you've ever hoisted a person who is immobile, it is a, an ER nurse in the room can verify this. It is a painfully challenging thing to hoist an immobile person onto a roof to then tear the roof off and to then, then let him down and sit him in the only place that matters to these guys at the feet of Jesus. When we begin to wrestle with the immeasurable riches, I just wonder if we understand that the stewardship is to carry our friends to the feet of Jesus. And here's what I would say of them. And this is on the screen. They were certain of the riches that they had in Jesus and they risked greatly to get their friend to him. That may sound very common to you, but I'm not sure it's a common action on our part. They were certain of the riches that they had in Jesus and they would move heaven and earth to get their friend to Jesus. This, this is the ultimate in hoping together is that we will move and hoist and tear off roofs to get our friends to Jesus. Because of this, Jesus healed him. But more importantly, he rescued his soul he forgave his sin and he looked up and said, man, the faith of these guys that put you at my feet, you're whole. And, and this is glorious. I will choose to believe in the hope and through the victory that we have already received in Jesus. When I grow weary in doing good, when I grow weary in, in walking about for the sake of the cause of Christ, when I grow weary and there's temptation that is calling me toward mediocrity or complacency or to just kind of say, look, I'm going to put some hope in other things, I will choose to believe in the hope and through the victory that I have already received in Christ. That's my inheritance. That's the wealth of who I am. That is the glory that I will make as I walk through this earth. And I long to do that as a a faith community. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote this. I read this last week. We have community with one another and will continue to do so only through Jesus Christ. The more genuine and the more rich and the more deep our community becomes, the more everything else recedes. The deeper that we come in the knowledge of Jesus and who he is and the immeasurable riches of Christ, the more everything else recedes in this room. And the only thing left standing is the cross and the empty tomb. 
and the person of Jesus. And we will clearly and purely move about in his work with the only one and thing that was alive among us. It is Jesus. And we have one another through Christ. And through Christ, we have one another completely and for eternity. And last week I just said, look around and rejoice in that. We have one another in Christ completely and eternally. And right now, we just look at one another and say, I am going to choose to know Jesus with you. And I am going to pursue the immeasurable riches that we have sitting in this room. And this room, according to the scripture, is filled with riches in Christ. And I am going to walk about certain that I am uncertain in the world and a lot of things that happen here, but I am certain of Jesus. And I am certain that we will move heaven and earth to move others toward him. And I will be faithful in the ordinary. The immeasurable greatness of his power, I will believe and trust in that. I will be faithful in everyday mission when it doesn't feel glorious. And I will be faithful in that. And here's what's happening when you and I are faithful in that. It's what's happened for Dave and Jane today. You get kind of these moments. They happen sporadically. But you have these moments as you're compounding the wonder of God's greatness. And you're just faithfully waking up and saying, you know, this day I'm going to do this. This day I'm going to serve in this way. This way I'm going to know you, Jesus. And we're just compounding with interest the wonders of the cross. And there's, there's some days that happen like today where you were just teaching a small group and all of a sudden you get to come up front, look Mark in the eye and realize for eight years he's been amplifying Jesus in another nation and God is carrying that in ways we couldn't have imagined. For ten years this little girl we just invested in when she was young has just been pouring it out. And you have the privilege of seeing the wonder of God. But here's what happens in our lives. We're just faithful. We're just going to wake up tomorrow and regardless of how we feel, regardless of what's going on, we're going to pursue Jesus and multiply him in the hearts and lives of others. It's what we repeatedly do out of who we are in Christ. And I would say that three times. It is what you and I repeatedly do out of who we are in Christ. It is what we repeatedly do out of who we are in Christ that is the wonder of his calling that unleashes the measurable grace, the immeasurable graces of God in Christ and that lends to us a certainty when it is fundamentally unclear what we're about. We're certain of this. Jesus, you have started a good thing. And you will carry it to completion. So here's what I'm certain of. That I have the immeasurable greatness of the power of the resurrected Jesus. And it will compel me to go to great lengths for the sake of friends. So I'm praying three things for us, and I would share this in close. I'm praying for a people in this room who know Jesus. I mean, experientially, I'm praying for God to continue to draw us as a church to a group of people who have fascinating knowledge of God, who he is, what he's about. I'm I'm praying that there is this, this sense of urgency and passion as you gather with your friendships. I mean, there is a locking of hands with one another as we cry out to God in prayer and with hope. There is a sense of longing as we sing songs together. We just begin to look at each other and it should be a normal thing that we look across the aisle at one another as we're worshiping God because for heaven's sake, we've been, we've been stuck walking this world for the last six days. We gather up. There should be floods of emotion, passion and expression rolling out and we look across the aisle and go, I know you're tired. I know you're weary. How can I hold up your arms? And we just see tears flooding faces as we walk and hope together. I'm praying for a group of people who are looking at one another and going, we were made for more. We're made for the immeasurable, incalculable, infinite riches of God in Christ. And we're going to assault heaven until we experience him. 
We're made for the wonder of who He is. I'm praying for groups to gather together in small groups, whether it's across the city or in rooms where we look at one another and there are knees that are bent in the room and there are hands that are held open for the cross and the hope of Jesus. I am praying for a people who desperately want to know Jesus. I'm praying that that will happen among us. I'm praying for those who will prayer walk, for those who will dream, for those who will experience who God is. I'm praying, here's what I'm praying, if you will join me in praying this, I am praying for what I read in the book of Acts. I am praying for a people who are not sharing what they have heard from a pulpit somewhere, are not sharing what they have heard from some life experience or book. I am praying for a people who say, I cannot stop speaking of who I have seen and heard. His name is Jesus. And I know him. And I am passionate for him. I'm praying for a people who know Jesus, a people who multiply that knowledge. This is just as simple as I would say it. It has not moved us. It has not moved to us, for us. It has moved in order to move through us. We are moved in Jesus. It has moved to us in order to move through us. I just had a faithful Bible study leader who was just moved by Jesus and spoke into my life all of my visceral years. And because of that, it was incalculable what God did through her. And I'm so thankful for her. It has moved to us, so it will move through us. I'm praying for a people who know Christ and a people who multiply Jesus. And I'm praying for some of you who have grown weary that you will be strengthened in your spirit today and you will be strengthened in your spirit as you read Ephesians and that God will remind you of his immeasurable power and that you will rise up within that, not the strength of your hand, but the immeasurable power of God in Christ. That's what I'm praying for you as you advance forward, that you will be multiplying that power and that strength. And I'm praying for a church that knows Jesus, is multiplying that knowledge, and lives with great certainty in Christ. The same power that raises Jesus from the dead lives within us. If that's the strength I'm talking to and I'm working out, then here's what I'm going to believe. I am going, and we're going to, as a church, we're going to hoist some people onto roofs. We're going to tear off some roofs. And I'm wondering as we just say this, God, do we know you? God, is that multiplying with us? I then think the stories of hoisting and tearing off roofs will be a normal part of the body of Christ. Because we're outworking through the inworking of the living Savior and we're hoisting friends on the roof and we're going with certainty, not of what we bring to the table, but the immeasurable greatness of God in Christ. And we're just saying, Lord, I am certain that you will move in spirit and in power. And I choose to hope and to believe from the victory that I've experienced in Christ Jesus. I choose to move that way. I choose not to hope in what you and I can conjure. I choose to hope and believe in our calling, in our strength, and the riches of God from the victory that is already attained in Christ. I am not working toward victory. I am working from it, from the power of the cross. May we do that as a faith family together for the sake of the gospel. We love you so much that it pleases our heart to share with you not only the gospel, but we enter in with our lives. We hoist you. We move heaven and earth. We love you so much that it pleases our heart with you, not only to share with you the gospel, but to enter in with our lives. Come hope with us. Jesus, you are so good. You are so good to us. God, I pray as we close this gathering and we sing this song again to you, that, God, our hearts can be warm toward who you are and what you're about. 
that, Lord, we could be attuned to who you are and the mystery of your power. God, that we can be certain of who you are and certain of who we are not. God, I pray for everyone in this room that there would be a strengthening of our heart through the truth of the Scripture. That there would be a recognition of our heart because we recognize the mirror of who we are as we look at you. Jesus, I pray for our worship right now that we would simply echo back the refrain to you, Lord, you are so good. You are good to me. You are good to us. Church, as we, as we close our service with a song of worship, a song of praise, we do as we do most Sundays. We just open an altar to bend a knee before the King of glory. We have some pastors who gather here at the front. If you would like to have someone pray for you, we are here. We also gather so that we can share who Jesus is to us, the incalculable riches that we have in Christ. If you are unaware of the knowledge of who Jesus is and would like to know him, we would love to introduce you. All of that and more can happen as we gather and we worship and we honestly close this time together, but open our hearts to the fullness of Jesus in song. So would you worship with me in this moment? Would you pray with a friend? Would you come to an altar? Would you pray with a pastor? Would you sing with your heart and soul of the goodness of our Savior? Would you stand with me? Can we worship together? Can we proclaim together that God, you are, you are so good.